once we start talking about hijab from a perspective of it being just a piece of cloth, it no longer becomes something that is a transformational act between you and your rub. In selling us these things, they make us subconsciously hate like the aspects of being human. And you could see how that ends up having a psychological effect on people. Because then it's like, hold up, like... I don't think I like myself. Like, okay, and like, do you pay my bills? No, you don't. You gonna be just as naked as me on Yom Al-Qiyamah, inshallah, when we answer for what we've done in this world. And notice how I'm talking about capitalism, but really at the end of the day, I want you to know I'm talking about shaitan. These elaborate systems exist because of his influence. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Embracing Rahma. Last time I asked y'all, what are all the struggles that y'all have with hijab, whether you're living in the West, anywhere in the world? And y'all had so many things to say. As I was sitting there, I was like, you know what? I really got to do justice to all of the feedback that I got from y'all so initially I was like you know what we got to make this a series and then I was like you know what let's just make it a podcast <laughs> so here we are alhamdulillah 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 welcome to the first episode of embracing rahma which is a podcast for the Muslim women we're going to take a very holistic approach to talking about a lot of the topics that are very relevant to Muslim women all across the world but especially in the west and what I mean by holistic is we're going to come at it from an Islamic approach from Quran ayahs of modernity tackling capitalism consumerism overconsumption all these different topics it's all relevant right it's all relevant completely relevant every single episode is meant to inspire you to embrace and to see the rahmah that allah provides us in so many different ways and one of those ways being being able to critically think through a lot of the things that plague us as muslim women and as people who are just living on this planet some episodes are going to be just me some of them are going to be with other guests but today's episode is going to be it's just going to be you and i inshallah so with that being said my name is fatima thank you so much for stopping by today and let's get into it the first part of this podcast is going to be a series called decolonizing hijab we're going to be talking about hijab from many different perspectives today's episode is going to be about confidence okay we're going to dive really deep into it we're going to talk about what is hijab what are the colonial and capitalist influences on hijab and how's that been occurring and also some of the issues of looking at hijab through the male gaze instead of looking at it as a doctrine of our faith as muslims and simply as a commandment that allah has given us as muslim women and muslim men what is hijab let's start there <laughs> i wanted to reference a podcast that i recently saw with dr noha baydun and she basically was talking about what hijab meant to her and I was like you know what subhanallah her explanation of it was so incredibly beautiful I'm definitely paraphrasing with this but she basically said that hijab is a manifestation of a person essentially trying to achieve the greatest qualities of human character that a human can possibly achieve and I was like you know what subhanallah that's so incredibly true oftentimes when we talk about hijab I think a lot of people relegate it to just being something that is a, a piece of cloth that's on our heads but that's not true at all hijab is more than that right hijab is in your intentions in the way that you speak the way that you carry yourself the way that you walk talk whatever like hijab is a manifestation of you as a human being trying to do your best to draw nearer to your rub and it just happens to be that one of those aspects is you placing a piece of cloth on top of your head and this definition honestly made me realize that once we start talking about hijab from a perspective of it being just a piece of cloth it no longer becomes something that is a transformational act between you and your rub it literally just then becomes something that you are sold <laughs> what's the benefit in that right like we got so many trinkets so much materialism so much consumerism that we're already encouraged to do why talk about it as if it's just a piece of cloth you feel me and it becomes no wonder that women have no attachment to it and they just wear it because everyone just expects them to wear it not because they have a religious or like a spiritual attachment to it i ain't gonna lie to y'all like i struggled with hijab so many different times even now i still struggle with it like don't get it twisted just because you see me wearing naqab doesn't mean 
that I'm a perfect being, okay? It don't at all. With that being said, we're going to start off with talking about capitalism and its effect on hijab. Now, because there's so much like to unpack here, we're going to barely scratch the surface, inshallah, today. And I want to start by giving a definition to what capitalism is. Capitalism is basically an economic system where businesses or, or individuals can, you know, operate businesses for profit with little to no regulation from the government. And you might be wondering, okay, well, like, what's, well, like, how is that an issue? There ain't no problem with having a business. But the moment that your business is unregulated and you have the free will to move around and exploit people and exploit the planet and her people then it becomes an issue like people working all day and barely being able to make ends meet if that even is like wild that's a symptom of capitalism right the reason why i mention all this is to say that like it affects women in so many different ways i'm trying to be very intentional when i say women because this is not just something that muslim women experience this is an issue that women globally experience right that's why they can sit there and sell us wrinkle creams and subconsciously make us hate old age as if it's an issue <laughs> Like, be for real, you think the women like 200, 300, 400 years ago were worried about that? Oh, no, probably not. Probably not. But it's like, in selling us these things, they make us subconsciously hate, like, the aspects of being human as if we are robots or something. And you could see how that ends up having a psychological effect on people. Because then it's like, hold up, like... I don't think I like myself. Like, I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm too tall. I'm too wide. I'm too hairy. Like, whatever. Like, all of these things are very much orchestrated for them to take advantage of us and to just sell us solutions to problems that they created in the first place. Because what do you mean I can't have hair on my legs? Like, I was literally born like this. Like, what do you, what do you mean? I see where I'm going with this? Like, people blame social media, but forget that capitalism enables, like, a lot of these issues that we have when it comes to confidence, when it comes to appreciating ourselves, when it comes to accepting ourselves. Notice how I'm not saying loving, because loving honestly like who knows what that means right but accepting yourself everybody gets what accepting yourself means it means you know alhamdulillah like you look a certain way you carry yourself a certain way alhamdulillah like allah created me this way alhamdulillah like i have the ability to use my toes or alhamdulillah i have the ability to express myself in whichever way you're able to express yourself maybe you can't hear but you could use sign language and that helps people understand you all these different things that people experience are truly 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 like painted as things that are bad things that are negative when in reality like what do you mean like who comes up with these definitions right and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because a lot of y'all ask me, you know, like when it comes to hijab, how can I be more confident? It's not even about just being confident. It's about being confident in general because you know that your value comes from Allah and not from a human who literally eats and takes dumps. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Like another aspect of capitalism that I really wanted to dive into is how it like manipulates our intentions as women. And notice how I'm talking about capitalism, but really at the end of the day, I want you to know I'm talking about shaitan. These elaborate systems exist because of his influence. Capitalism truly, it truly manipulates our intentions for things. What I mean by this is let's say for example you buy a nice dress you now have to wear that brand name piece of clothing out it doesn't have any value to you unless other people see it you feel me like it truly 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 warps our intentions if you need to pause right here and really think about what i just said go ahead and do it because i know people don't often talk about issues of hijab from this perspective at all because really it's all interconnected like do y'all see the spider web that we're forming now like it's a spider web y'all and this is connected to that connected to that connected to that connected to why it is difficult for us to worship Allah. Really think about it. I also wanted to touch on the topic of consumerism. You know, we're expected to overconsume and overbuy and do all these different things. When at the end of the day, like, I truly, truly, truly believe that we're warped into seeing a woman's value based on endless cycle of creating insecurities for her, expecting her to unveil herself, like encouraging her to go out and buy these different things that are meant to make her look younger, make her look smaller, make her look wider, make her look shinier, whatever. And then walk around as a billboard for these companies that don't care about us they just care about profits 
these people don't care about us there's proof that agents of shaitan like literally wouldn't want nothing better for us than to unveil ourselves and i'm gonna go i'm gonna go into that a little bit more inshallah in the next section it makes me wonder like how much of the issues that we experience are not architected you know like i really feel like everything that we experience all the issues that we experience as muslim women from having difficulty with veiling all these different things are they're architected issues that we experience because someone else thought them up and was like okay you know i'm gonna have them go through this in order for us to colonize in order for us to infiltrate their minds in order for us to make them more malleable so that we can exert our power and our influence over them and control them into doing whatever we want so we're gonna go we're gonna go in depth in that <laughs> it then no longer is a surprise to why so many of us struggle because y'all when i tell you it is difficult being a woman in the streets i mean it <laughs> and i know y'all can attest to it too now we are going to talk about colonialism and its impact on the way that we practice veiling as muslim women especially in the 21st century so y'all know that podcast that I talked about earlier that uh, Dr. Noha Baydoun was part of? Well, in there, she kind of talks about like her dissertation that she worked on in college, which is basically, if you don't know, a dissertation is basically this long, like 200 some odd, I don't even know, like all the ones I've seen ha have been like around 200 something pages. But a dissertation, dissertation is basically <laughs> this long essay that you have to work on in college when you're doing research and then you have to like defend it or whatever before you get your PhD. Hers was on the politics of hijab in American culture, which is so incredibly important maybe because she dropped so much gems in there, honestly, like my mouth dropped open when I read it. <laughs> in the podcast and even in her dissertation, you can look it up online, but she basically talks about this idea that colonialism has such a huge impact on the Muslim women and veiling like all over the world. I'm going to read y'all an excerpt of her paper where she basically talks about this guy named Lord Cromer, who is this huge public figure during the time that the British colonized Egypt in the 1800s. So her paper says, during the first 24 years of the occupation, starting in 1883, Cromer established what would be later referred to as the Veiled Protectorate. Cromer had a specific focus and agenda when it came to women in Egypt. While he reiterated the common, now overplayed narratives that Islam oppresses women, he also focused on the practice of veiling as a key factor impeding imperial expansion and European civilization in eastern parts of the world. Women, he noted, were key to social transformations in what he thought was an otherwise barbaric society. <laughs> Do y'all see how wild this is? Like, he basically said that these societies are uncivilized. And one way that we can know that we have colonized them is if their women unveil themselves. Like, that's basically what he said, y'all. Like, I want y'all to sit with that. Sit with that for, for a second. Also, side note, I hope your cups are ready because I'm about to spill a little bit of tea for you. <laughs> the gag is this guy wasn't even for women's rights anyway because he literally was president of some society that existed to prevent women from voting. Move on somewhere. Anyway, alhamdulillah, not only does it imply that women are oppressed because they veil, but it also implies that the colonizers have a right to colonize us because our men are then demonized because they expect us or force us to dress this way. Honestly, it's the same rhetoric that allows them to demonize watermelon men. And you know why I'm saying it that way. I gotta censor myself because the algorithm is really scandalous. <laughs> if you don't, you can drop a comment on the YouTube video for this and somebody can answer it for you. It's the same justification that the British used when they went to colonize India. There's a scholar named Spavik and she literally calls it white men saving brown women from brown men. And they use the women being oppressed as a justification for war, as a justification to come after our resources, as a justification to exploit our people and our land. Y'all see what I mean now when I said we're going to take a holistic approach? Like it's, it's all related. So where do we go from here? I'm gonna tell y'all how I go about it. And although, alhamdulillah, like I've come a long way in my hijab journey, I'm nowhere near perfect. 
And there's days where I wake up and I really struggle, y'all. Like, I struggle with my intentions. I struggle with choosing what I'm going to wear for the day. Like, sometimes it's difficult. But that's the nature of this dunya, right? Like, it's never going to be perfect here. And that's fine because how are we going to know what Jannah is if we don't experience difficulty here, right? The first thing <laughs> I want you to do, especially when it comes to building your confidence as a Muslim woman who wants to be proudly practicing hijab is to make dua to Allah. And I say this all the time, like there's so much power in acknowledging that you are not the source of power in your life. There's so much power in acknowledging to Allah that you need his help. It is okay to get down on your knees, even if you don't have a dua for it. It is okay to get down and cry. You don't have to have just a formal relationship with Allah. Literally talk to Allah and be like, yeah, Allah, like I'm struggling down here. Only you know what I'm going through because everyone has your own like version of whatever, you know, the, the issues that we deal with in this dunya. But truly only Allah knows so intimately and in depth what you're going through, what has influenced it, what's going to influence it. You know what I mean? Like only Allah does. My YouTube girls know this. Go ahead and make your dua. You could do it now. You could do it at the end of the podcast. Like set a time to legitimately make dua to Allah to make it easy for you. I think too often the issue of us not being able to practice hijab properly might be because we might be looking at other places for validation or as sources of inspiration. You know what I mean? When really we could just be looking at the source of all power and i'm not saying this i'm not saying this to judge you well i'm really not i love you for the sake of allah otherwise i would not be on here <laughs> like i just want to be honest with you i want to tell you how it is because y'all know how tough it is in these streets and so if you want to make any progress i personally recommend turning to the king of all kings because there is no other power who can compare ask him to give you the strength to get past whatever struggles you're going through when it comes to hijab ask him to show you and make you into a person who you are going to be proud of who is going to be an amazing example for you for the people in your lives for the future generations truly 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 turn to Allah I wouldn't be doing y'all justice if I didn't remind y'all of that first and once y'all do that I want you to take the conscious effort to start practicing hijab for Allah we don't have to justify ourselves as Muslim women this is something else that Dr. Baydun talks about in the podcast and even in the dissertation like she talks about this idea that Muslim women have to then like live in the west and feel like they automatically have to justify themselves and their decisions for wearing hijab and speak about it from a place of freedom it ends up like kind of being problematic at times because then we automatically are in a state of oh my god i gotta prove myself you feel me like i see where she was going with it too because to a certain extent i think like when we're talking to non-muslims if we're talking to them about hijab from a place of needing to prove to them like our decision it then can you know warp your intentions and stuff because i'm not saying don't tell people what the benefit of hijab is but i am saying that when you do practice hijab proudly practice it for the sake of allah first and all the other intentions can come after you feel me all the other intentions can come after because <laughs> baby there ain't no problem with having multiple intentions for doing one thing but we got to get the first one straight and out of the way someone asked how do i prevent like myself from being swayed by public opinion when it comes to wearing hijab a lot of women actually asked this question now that i think about it some of y'all said that you know maybe your family doesn't want you to wear it they want you to wait until you're older to begin practicing hijab some of y'all said that you live in the west or you live in a very like racist state where you're uncomfortable like practicing hijab some of y'all said that you've been doing it you've been practicing hijab your entire life but you want to develop a better relationship with it and you don't want other people to sway your opinion so i think it all truly boils down to the conversation of reputation i really thought to myself i was like what can we use as a reminder of ourselves when it comes to reputation and how yes like the reputation that we have in this dunya with other people is is important to a certain extent i wanted to talk to y'all about the story of mariam may allah be pleased with her she is so amazing she's the woman that i named my daughter after <laughs> i just i love mariam so much y'all like i feel like she's my sister 
I feel like she's my sister and I really truly hope that we all get a chance to go to Jannah inshallah and meet her. There's a story in the Quran that Allah preserved for us, for us to be able to learn from her, especially when it comes to reputation. And I think it's a beautiful example of how like we can truly look to Allah as a, as a source of strength when it comes to being worried about the reputation that we have with other people. Maryam got pregnant. And she was so shocked, like, oh my goodness, like, how, what do you mean I'm gonna, what do you mean I'm gonna have a child? Like, I've never been with a man. And so she's pregnant, she literally leaves her family, she withdraws off to a far place. And so the story goes. Then she conceived him, him being Isa, alayhi salam, and withdrew with him to a far off place. The labor pain soon drove her to the trunk of a palm tree. And she cried out, oh, if only I had died before this, and then become something forgotten or lost to sight. Don't be distressed, a voice called out from under her. Your Lord has provided a spring for you. Now shake the palm tree towards you, and it will shower ripe dates upon you. So eat, drink, and rest your eye. And if you happen to see any man, tell him, I vowed a fast for the compassionate, and I won't talk to any person at all today. Y'all see how she was told to be quiet? <laughs> In time, she went back to her people, and they cried out, Maryam! You've come to us with something bizarre. Sister of Aaron, your father wasn't a bad man and your mother wasn't a loose woman. And she merely pointed to the baby. The people asked, how can we talk to a baby in a cradle? Then the baby spoke out saying, I am a servant of Allah. He's given me the scripture and made me a prophet. He's placed blessings upon me wherever I may be and has made me prayerful and charitable for as long as I live. He made me gentle towards my mother, being neither aggressive nor rude. So peace be upon me, the day that I was born, the day that I die, and the day that I'll be raised to life again. Y'all, this is, this is in Surah Maryam, Ayah 21 through 33. Do y'all see here how Allah put Maryam in a situation where her reputation was, I don't even know what worst thing could have happened to her. <laughs> truly, I truly don't know. Because her family was known for being righteous people. They were known for being people of Allah. They were known for being people who feared Allah. And then for her to get pregnant, yeah, I mean, nowadays we see it so often, especially in the West, that people don't really, they don't really, they're like, oh, what? And then they move on. You know what I mean? But like, imagine during the time that she lived and she existed, like try to put yourself in her perspective and try to think about what she was going through and how much like faith and trust that she had in Allah for her to like shut up and let Allah take over. <laughs> because she like relied on Allah and truly, truly, truly trusted in him. A baby spoke on her behalf. Like what, what is more miraculous than that? You feel me? It's possible for us to interpret something as being incredibly horrible when in reality, it just brings you closer to Allah. And that's something that I want you to question more of, especially on your journey of practicing hijab is, is what I'm going through right now truly so terrible? Is it truly so bad? Is this something that's going to build my self-respect if I make it to the end? Is this something that I believe is going to draw me nearer to my rub? Is this something that is pushing me away from him by chance? You feel me? Like, I want y'all to really truly ask yourselves these questions. Because I think a lot of times when, like, we struggle with things, it becomes even more difficult when we're not actively thinking through them and being intentional about the way that we move. Because you never want to get stuck in a situation where you're moving on autopilot and, like, not necessarily thinking through your decisions, but, like, letting your emotions drive you. Because as humans, we tend to move by emotion, baby. Like, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. I know people like to say, like, it's just women who do this. Nah, baby. I see men do it too. You know, like, if you ever need to take some time to just take a break and, like, back up and try to, like, depersonalize. Depersonalize yourself. Is that, a, is that a phrase? I feel like that's a word. Depersonalize yourself from the situation and, like, think about it from a perspective outside of yourself. Because oftentimes, you can see things much more clearer 
when you're thinking about the situation from an external perspective. Think about it as if someone else is going through what you're going through. What advice would you give them? You know what I mean? I know we've been talking about capitalism, consumerism. We've been talking about colonization and all these different topics. We're talking about the Quran. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, I truly, truly, truly want y'all to remember that shaitan does not plan on going down alone. And the more you're conscious of that and the more you're conscious of shaitan's influence in our everyday lives, whether it be through the different isms that I talked about, like, or even like the things that are very, very blatantly like haram that we need to stay away from as Muslims, you know, backbiting, whatever. Like, you think about it from that perspective, it becomes much more easier to move intentionally as Muslim women and also kind of be disgusted by these things because it's like, hold up, like, I'm... I'm not trying to be the kind of person that values other people based on how much of themselves they show to me. Like, I don't want to be the kind of person that like takes for granted the blessings, the many blessings that I have in my life. I don't want to be the kind of person that isn't confident in what I'm going through. Because here's the thing, y'all, like, I want you to remember that just because someone is confident, just because you are confident, it does not mean you are perfect. <laughs> Confidence does not automatically denote perfection. You can be a confident person who struggles from time to time. Sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, dang, Fatima, you know what? Like, you had a baby. You went from 160 pounds you now weigh 240 pounds i think that's like 80 more pounds and sometimes i'm like i mean alhamdulillah i don't do it as much now but like i remember especially after i first had my baby and then like i just i went through a lot of stuff after i had her like mamas know like that postpartum depression is not it <laughs> that postpartum phase where you are like discovering yourself rediscovering yourself at that as a mother girl i had a lot of unlearning to do but alhamdulillah like i'm at the point where like although some days are not as good as other days those are the minority of my days the majority the majority of my days are days that are filled with happiness contentment satisfaction alhamdulillah you feel me like alhamdulillah my body was able to carry a human being and like feel her kicking inside of me alhamdulillah my body is able to take me from my house to my car like to the grocery store i can go on walks like, alhamdulillah, my body does so much for me. Not me over here crying. <laughs> but alhamdulillah, my body does so much for me. And I really want y'all to think about it from that perspective too. Like, alhamdulillah, your body does so much for you. When is the last time that you've expressed gratitude to Allah for the body that you've been given? For the things that you can do with it? Even if you are a person who does not have all these capabilities, maybe you're a person who is colorblind or maybe you're a person who is deaf there is beauty and there is blessings in everything that we go through as human beings wallahi there is and the only times we truly face like real real difficulty is when society does not provide us the space or the accommodations i should say that again for the people in the back <laughs> with that being said like i just want y'all to remember shaitan really truly tries to warp our intentions with any and everything that he can do and once you realize that it's like you can never unsee it you can never unsee it in anything at all i want to read you guys a translation from another part of the quran surah al-a'raf ayahs 14 through 18 and this is a moment where allah is sharing of something that happened between him and iblis and it's so incredibly like powerful to even just like think about it so i'm gonna go ahead and read the translation to y'all give me time iblis cried out until the day when they're resurrected they meaning us you shall have your time allah answered then Iblis said, and since it was you who made me slip up, I'll lie and wait for them on your straight path. I'll assail them from their front and their back, from their left and their right. And in the end, you'll see that most of them are thankless towards you. Get out of here, Allah ordered. You're banished. If any of them follow you, then I'll fill hellfire with you all. Y'all see the translation of what Iblis said? Like he basically said he's going to come at us in any way that he possibly can anyway <laughs> really think about that like how like 
how then can it not be that all these systems of oppression that exist to make us powerless are not a result of him? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know, y'all. It seems to add up to me. <laughs> Allahu alam. But it seems to add up to me. There's a reason why as Muslims, we're encouraged to learn and to educate ourselves. The more educated you are, the less controllable you are. Try your best to live as intentionally as you can and to seek validation, not necessarily from other people in order to give you value, but from Allah. The more intentional you are, the more in control of your actions you then become. So like, I know I mentioned the example earlier where we were talking about capitalism and consumerism and stuff and how it literally like, it literally warps our intentions for the things that we do. Maybe instead of thinking, okay, you know what? I'm gonna wear this out. People gonna look at me. They gonna think it's so cute. Cause I know some of us be doing that. <laughs> if you don't, you lie in. You can read the dua that you're supposed to read when you get new clothing. And I promise you y'all, it is so incredibly transformational. And so I want to challenge all of us to start saying it inshallah. You can look up the Arabic for it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the English to y'all, the English translation to y'all. Oh Allah, all praise is for you. You are the one who clothed me with it. I ask that you grant me its goodness and the goodness from which it was made. And I seek refuge in you from its evil and the evil from which it was made. Tell me this isn't the definition of seeking validation from the most divine. There's so much to unpack here, especially when it comes to like overconsumption and unethical like manufacturing of clothing and stuff like that. But like also want you to take time as a Muslim woman to truly, truly, truly define what hijab means to you. Sit down and be honest with yourself. Why do you wear a headscarf? Why do you try to be kind and speak good to other people? Because remember, hijab is not just in the way that you dress, but it's also in the way that you act and carry yourself. When you can move through this dunya with intentionality, you become a force to be reckoned with. And it's 2024 now, y'all. Like, we want the girls to move in confidence on 10 this year, okay? When you ask yourself these questions and move with intentionality, your source of confidence is going to move beyond your material possessions and your appearance. One of the most common questions or issues that people uh, pose to me that they experience with hijab is not wanting to worry about what people are going to think about them. And I'm gonna be honest with y'all on this one too. Like sometimes I struggle with wondering what people are gonna be thinking. I like to remind myself that it's okay to not be liked from time to time. Like it is truly, truly okay. It is truly, truly okay. A lot of times the unsolicited advice and opinions that people give us is truly just a projection of, of the lack of self-confidence that they personally have. And that's something that took me a really long time to realize, but it's something that I want y'all to remember. I live in the West. I wear niqab when I go out. Do people look at me when I go out? Yeah, they do. Does it bother me from time to time? But are they going to be thinking about me when they get home? Are they going to be coming after me? Probably not. <laughs> probably not probably in the moment they're like huh like i wonder why she does that or oh my goodness she must be oppressed whatever okay and like do you pay my bills no you don't you gonna be just as naked as me on yom al-qiyamah inshallah when we answer for what we've done in this world and that's truly what like leaves my heart at ease alhamdulillah and i know these things are easier said than done i promise you i truly truly know the goal is for you to be a little bit better today than you were yesterday that's what we got for today's episode on confidence inshallah next episode of the decolonizing hijab series is going to be about hijab and beauty so we're going to go really in-depth with that, inshallah. It's going to be released next week, so I hope to see all of y'all back, inshallah. And I would love if y'all supported my YouTube channel, my Instagram. Share it with your friends. Share it with your loved ones. Share it with people who you don't even know. Share, put it on your Instagram. Put it on your Facebook, whatever. <laughs> In your WhatsApp groups. I do work a 9 to 5, and I want to be able to do this full-time, inshallah, one day. So support your girl. Let's close it out with a dua, inshallah. And then I'll see you next week. So may Allah give you the strength to get through any difficulty that you're experiencing. I love you all for his sake. It's been good spending time with y'all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I love you so much. Mwah.